I'm like, I'm like, it's our first episode back. It's our first episode back after a little break. So let's 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 right? let's find we some vibrancy, some some, some yeah. energy. All right. Energy, some energy. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm Jenna, and I'm Khadija. Welcome to the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. We've created this space for fans of the horror noir film genre that crave nuanced representation and commentary. From the perspectives of Black women, Black storytellers, and Black horror fans who geek out and freak out (laughs) over anything that gets us gooped and spooked. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghouls and Galdam podcast. Check our episode description for content and trigger warnings if your head or your heart requires that information. And of course, there will be many spoilers ahead. And today we're taking a bite at a blackula. Yes, we are. A 1972 black exploitation horror. Directed by William Crane. And starring Big Willie Marshall in the title role of Prince Mama Walde. Our story starts on a dark and stormy night in Transylvania, 1780. We're at Castle Dracula, where our host, Dracula, is entertaining. He welcomes his guests with this doozy of a line. I've never had the opportunity of entertaining personages from the uh, dark continent before. (laughs) That was actually a really good impression. That's real good, though. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. I felt nice. Ooh, at that. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate that. No, like round of applause. Thank you, you hear that? That's my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, everybody, that is our first quote of the entire movie. And yes, your racist radar is correct. Dracula is a racist who may or may have not had a slave or two, you know, kicking around. Mm, no lies were told. So Mm-mm. Dracula's racist ass is hosting a dinner for intellectuals and trailblazers of the new world. Oh, wow. Some highbrow society right here. But <laughs> <laughs> his guests include Prince Mawalde of the Abani Nation and his wife, Luva. Who is beautiful. Those brows, that blue eyeshadow. My girl Luva is serving looks in this dusty castle. Yes, mama. (laughs) (laughs) Along with looks, Luva and Prince Mawalde are also trying to serve some civil rights realness. But Dracula and his other racist-ass guests aren't hungry for civil rights. They'd rather stuff their craw with some good old-fashioned slavery. And when Mama Walde tries to reason with Dracula about the slave trade, Dracula pushes him off with a demeaning pass at Luva. Dracula thinks that desiring black people as property is a compliment. You know, he's like one of those white guys that thinks that he can get away with saying the N-word just because he's dating a black person. (laughs) Like some of my (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Achoo! Some of mine, too. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. 
Mama Walde is not going to stand for this blatant racism and disrespect, especially not in front of his woman. So he's like, all right, have fun with your racist dinner party. We out. <laughs> that has definitely happened in real life. Mm. Mm. To real life people. But Too many times to count. <laughs> he's coming in here with dishonor on you, dishonor on your family, dishonor on your cow, and fuck your castle. All, all of y'all, all of y'all, you're all dusty. And so Dracula, unlike the legend tells us, is not a bat. The man is a snake. He's a snake, oh, yeah. straight snaking he's, out here. Yeah, like think about it. He lured the prince and Luva to his castle to taunt them about slavery and racism. And then he traps them in his castle, and then Dracula and his undead posse get ready in the catacombs to jump Mama Walde and Luva. Like, why? We have the most Roots-like moment when Dracula stops them from trying to leave. Dracula turns Mama Walde into a vampire and bestows a new moniker on him. Blackula. No, it's Kunta Kinte. No, you will be called Blackula. <laughs> it's like Phoebe Herman and Buffy. Ew, ew. <laughs> you just won't die. <laughs> but after Dracula curses Mama Walde, he locks him in a coffin inside a crypt, locking Luva in with him, who she is still alive and unturned. So just to be clear, Dracula invited these black people to his party so he could debase yep. them, insult them, mm -hmm. turn one of them into a vampire, and then yep. lock him in a crypt alongside the others, still alive, but soon to be rotting body. Yeah, Dracula's a dick. Uh. Yeah. Like, Dracula is so twisted that he wants Mama Walde to wake up centuries from now thinking that he's the one that has Luva's blood on his hands. You know that? That's, that's twisted. That's long-term abuse. <sighs> that's long-term psychological warfare. So, in the long term, we fast forward 150 years later, making it the 70s, present day in our film. We are at an estate sale at Dracula's castle. This is where we meet Bobby and Billy, a gay interracial couple at that. Yes. Also, they have a knack for antiquing. Very progressive for the time. Because, <laughs> <Right? laughs> <laughs> like, antiques, it's a couple thing to do. You know, it's like getting apples or, like, pumpkin patch things. I'm like, yes, yeah, good for you guys. But <laughs> the appraiser tells the couple that Dracula used to live there. But Bobby and Billy ain't scared. No, no, no. They go down to the crib where they find a couple of coffins. You know, jackpot, my guy. So, like, Bobby asks the appraiser. Yo, were you just about to, like, rip them off? Because, like, this is the gold mine in the basement, in the catacombs, if you would. Yeah, but it's a deal, though. Fifteen yeah. bucks, little man. Put that money <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> Bobby and Billy pack everything up and they ship it back to L.A. If that coffin doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh. My shipping fees. Oh, <laughs> 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 Ice, ice, ice. <laughs> ironically enough they're in the sunshine state <laughs> california hmm. oh man so, 
So the couple are unloading and itemizing the antiques when Billy clumsily slices his arm trying to open a wooden crate with a crowbar. At the same time, Bobby is one pry away from unlocking Mama Walde's coffin. He rushes over to bandage up Billy's arm. You know when you're struggling to open a jar of peanut butter? Yeah. And then someone offers to help and opens it with what seems like no effort? Yes. Well, I feel like Mama Walde was like, thanks for loosening up that lock for me, old Billy boy. Don't mind if I just help myself to some breakfast on your boyfriend's bloody arm there. Wait, I got I got this for you. One second. Thank you once again for being on board for my cheesy jokes this episode. Hey, it's 2021 and I thought it'd be best to start supporting my friends and all their endeavors all of i appreciate them. you friend mm-hmm. so bobby is frantically trying to bandage up billy's arm but of course mama walde wakes up from his 150 year long slumber and goes straight for billy's juicy bloody arm bobby tries to save him but ends up being bitten by mama walde after sucking bobby and billy dry mama walde dons a fresh new cape remembering that dracula has cursed him both in name and in life. So this cape may seem insignificant, but you have no idea how many times it's mentioned in this movie and in the sequel. Just a little, uh, just a little uh, insider yeah. knowledge there. <laughs> oh, not that. <laughs> All those Easter eggs. <laughs> we enter a funeral home where Tina, Michelle, and Doctor Thomas show up to pay their respects to Bobby, who is seen laying in a coffin. They all seem to be old friends of Bobby. Dr. Thomas starts inspecting Bobby's body, and the funeral director is being a little shifty. He says that the bite marks on Bobby's neck must have come from a rat, but Dr. Mm -mm. Gordon Thomas ain't buying that. No. We see Mama Walde creeping behind the curtains in the funeral home. He sees Tina, who bears a striking slash same because it's the same actor resemblance to the lost love of his life, (laughs) Luva. You see? You see what they do there? You know? But but two characters and one actor don't have to pay him as much money. Yeah. Yeah. He's drawn to her and it seems like he's going to try to shoot his shot. But, you know, but, you know, but, you know, he's when the time is right, he'll be there. Just not now. <laughs> he'll bide his time. Yeah. You know, it's it's disrespectful in a funeral home to hit on somebody. You know, you got to wait. <laughs> Right place, right time. You know? (laughs) So... (laughs) Dr. Thomas leaves Tina and Michelle so that he can go start his investigation into Bobby's mysterious death. Tina is walking home with her sister Michelle. They part ways, and Tina discovers that she's being followed by somebody. And uh, can we just point out this purple mage outfit? (laughs) Bro, honestly, this beautiful enchantress. Like, I can't. I can't. Just looks, girl. <laughs> and like, and while walking down the street, Mama Walde pops out and scares the fuck out of Tina when he grabs her and calls her Luva. Like, it's obviously scary when a big ass man comes out of nowhere while you're walking the streets at night. Yo, like when we lived on the lakeshore. Oh, one hundred percent scary shit and creepy old men. Yo, they deadly combination. Right. <laughs> 
So Tina makes a break for it. And it looks like she's going to head into the subway as she goes down a flight of stairs. Classic move, right? But no, she runs into an underground pathway with zero lighting. And it's like, haven't you ever had to run from a man late at night, Tina? You dumb dumb. Just so we're clear, it is not okay to be chasing women ever. I mean, unless you're engaged in a consensual and sexy game of of hide and go seek. I mean, Um, it doesn't even have to be sexy as long as it's consensual. Just don't chase women late at night. Okay, carrying on now. Mama Walde (laughs) can't figure out which way Tina has run off to, but he comes across a wallet that she dropped in the path. Yo, with all her ID in it. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. So he knows her government and her Addy dog. So I guess she will be seeing him soon then. Ooh, Don't chase women. Knock, knock. But before that, like a fish out of water, Mama Walde gets hit by a cab. The cabbie hops out to inspect the damage done to her ride, but not before Mama Walde calls her a straight up imbecile. <laughs> And this cab driver is not the one, not the two, or the three to be fucking with tonight. It's a double shift. She lays right into him. Imbecile. You the nut that ran into my cab. You're the only imbecile in these streets, boy. I'm she gonna, put her whole heart and soul into, into calling him boy. She put her yeah. whole chest in it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I again... Great, great, great impersonation. Thank you so you much. I've been doing one. a lot of radio work this week. so uh, No, this is sick. I'm good. Thanks. This is good. <laughs> but, <laughs> again, Mama Walde has had enough of this cabbie's chirping, so he sinks his fangs into her and sucks her dry, too. Uh, then we cut to Tina running into her apartment. She struggles to open the door, but she finally gets in and locks it behind her. Ooh. And bless Tina for doing the right thing and grabbing that knife. Yes, such an underrated move. Like, no one ever just grabs the knife. Because, you know, Tina ain't playing. She messed up the first time, but now she's got her head in the game. Which is perfect timing because there's a knock at the door. But it's okay. It's Tina's sister, Michelle. (laughs) And Tina lets Michelle inside, and Michelle is shocked to see... Tina out here answering the door with a big ass knife, you know, right? Like, who are you trying to meet? (laughs) So (laughs) Tina puts down the knife and locks the door. Michelle asks what's going on. And Tina tells her about like how she was followed home. And so in the meantime, Mama Walde is back at the warehouse where all of the Transylvanian antiquities have been living since being brought back by Bobby and Billy. It also has been his home, which is like, you went from a castle in Transylvania to a warehouse in L.A. Mm. So he's about to climb into his coffin and we see him holding Tina's purse. He's totally going to sniff it while he's jerking off later. You need to cut that shit right now. No, 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 not this one. Anyone but this one, I gotta regularly give a damn. Be like, I'm yeah, sorry, of course. it looks like, creepy. Blah, 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 blah. But no, no, it's the cutest fucking thing ever, man. Because, <laughs> like, the music is so disco and sweet and flowy. And, like, his face just, like, up. It's like, motherfucker is floating. And he probably has the ability to do that because he's a motherfucking vampire, right? So, his number one crush, Luva, is back. 
and like he can get it again and it's been like a how long has it been? Oh, like 150, 150 years? 150 years. Without any punani at all? You know, it... Maybe that's my kind of romance, but I think that shit is sweet. All right, you know? all right, all right. Well, allow him, allow him, allow him. Okay. 150 years, he still wants <laughs> that nani. All right, loud a man. So, Dr. Thomas goes to the morgue to check on a recently admitted corpse, which turns out to be the body of the cab driver. And he notices bite marks on her neck as well. The coroner makes a bullshit remark about her occupation as a cab driver, saying that, like, I hate this so much. That with her being a woman, of course, she must have been looking for something. Like, what does that even mean? Look, misogynist, gonna misogynize. Fair enough. But, like, not fair at all, but, you know, we gotta move on. No. You know, so Dr. Thomas <laughs> accuses Lieutenant Jack Peters of misplacing the reports on Billy and Bobby's deaths. Ooh. Lieutenant Jack Peters, who is played by Canadian gem Gordon Pinsent, mm-hmm. denies the mishandling until another officer confirms that the reports had indeed been misplaced. Mm-hmm. Somebody's getting fired. Because <laughs> Dr. Thomas sees this and has no, he, like, the man is not surprised. Check this. Strange how many sloppy police jobs involve black victims. Wow. Wow. How timely. And quacks like a duck. And looks like a duck. Hmm. And it, it must be a goddamn duck. Quack, quack. Hmm. Sounds like connection. a case of uh, bureaucracy and bullshit within the policing mm. system. So Lieutenant Peters senses that Dr. Thomas has a hunch about the possible connection between everything. And so now we're transported to this fun-ass disco club where Hughes Corporations is performing. Yeah. Oh, my God. It. I want to be at this party. This is like when I watch like <laughs> Studio 54 documentaries and just cream my pants. Like, I love just seeing old black films with black people dancing and living their best lives. And if I could only go back in time, like, this is the one. I want yeah. roller skates and cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mama Wall, I mean, like, you could still have those things. Uh, yeah, honestly, I guess. <laughs> okay, we're going to keep it relatively PG and move on here. So, Mama Walde shows up at the same joint that Dr. Thomas, Tina, and Michelle are watching this live show. Mama Walde goes up to the table and returns Tina's purse to her. Right. He explains to her that she looks just like his late wife, Luva, and that he became so overwhelmed with emotions. He didn't (laughs) handle himself in a proper manner. Huh. Uh, With all that charm, Tina forgives and forgets. She's she's quite smitten by him. It's very clear that she sprung. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, well, when you look like that, you sound like that. And just plain got it like that? Yo, it's hard to resist. Mm-hmm. Hard. Mm-hmm. So, unsurprisingly, Tina invites Mama Walde to sit with them. It happens to be Michelle's birthday, so Mama Walde does some stunting. He buys some champagne for the table, and they share a toast to life. Stunt, stunting is a habit. Get like me. Like me. That's <laughs> Mama Waldy. Get like me. Like me. Get <laughs> like, like Mama Waldy. Because 
you know that you're dealing with a classy vampire man when he splurges on a bottle for the table for your sister's birthday. Yeah, man. In Bram Stoker's, he took her ass to the zoo. That you right. I, you know what? In Twilight, Edward Cullen uncultured ass took Bella to play baseball with his family. But now that baseball. we think about it. Baseball. 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 No, no, we don't know. I mean, unless that's your thing. If that's your thing, if baseball is your thing, that's your thing. Your kink nope. is not my kink, but your kink is okay. Yeah, but <laughs> I like the framing of baseball as a kink. Anyway, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Thomas gets a call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, Dr. Thomas gets a call at the bar informing him of Bobby's missing body. The dramatic camera movement in this scene combined with the tan suit he's wearing, the stash, the <laughs> cigarello, and the vibes. Yo, like it just makes the moment. Like somebody, the police station called him at the bar. Like they knew he was going to be there. But they didn't know that he was going to be looking as fine as he was on his night off. They didn't count on that. So the homie Skillet, another friend of Michelle, Tina, and Dr. Thomas's, walks up to the table and introduces himself to Mama Walde. Nancy, a cocktail waitress, approaches the table to take some photos of the birthday girl and her crew. Mama Walde is stunned by the flash of the camera when Nancy takes the pic. He's shook. So he decides it's time to leave, you know. But Tina is so sprung. Like, she's out here saying, oh, you have to go? Trip, trip. <laughs> trip, trip. Oh, Michelle. Oh, gosh. Like, get it, girl. Get it. Honestly, like, we've been there, you know. You know, the homie gets up from the table and they're walking away and you're just like, oh, really? You got to leave so soon. <laughs> She's your queen to be. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle asks Tina to stay, but she says she'd rather go be with her new man. Yeah, girl. Like, get it, Tina. Like, <laughs> just met him yesterday and thought he was going to attack you. But, but you know, get that dick, boo-boo. Get it. When you know, you know. You know, when, when the heart wants what the heart wants. Yes. <laughs> After Tina and Mama Walde leave, Skillet comments on Mama Walde's drip. Okay? That's a bad cape. <laughs> that's our first one it is. that's our first one it is a bad cape Nancy goes home and can I just say that I want to live in this woman's dope ass apartment oh yo 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 not only is her art deco on point but homegirl has converted her kitchen into a personal dark room <sighs> mm, it's giving me bachelorette solo artist vibes it sound, it, you know what it smells like in there? It smells like patchouli and sandalwood and black soap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smells like some black queen oh. realness. Mm. And Nancy is developing the pictures from the club. While developing, she notices that Mama Walde is not in any of the photos. Because he's a vampire! Mm. But he's not in any of the photos. <laughs> <laughs> and in this moment of realization, of course, Mama Walde pops up from behind Nancy and takes a bite. 
She stumbles out of her apartment after being attacked by Mama Waldi. But thankfully, there's a cop sitting in a cruiser outside her place who runs to help her, right? But however, Nancy has been turned and ends up taking a bite out of that cop's ass. So sad. So back at the station, Dr. Thomas asks Lieutenant Peters for a permit to dig up Billy's grave. After being denied the permit, he tells Michelle to put on some digging clothes so he can take her on a date to the graveyard. We get taken back to Tina's spot where Mama Walde lays it out for Tina. Uh. He tells her that she is the reincarnation of his late wife, Luva. You know, she's unusually accepting of this information like she's pretty yeah. she's like oh yeah oh makes yeah. sense not even a little bit shook that's how you know that is how you know she's a ride or die she's like ah, yeah <laughs> i'm your girl yeah she's sure. not phased not phased at all he uh-uh. goes on to tell her about what happened to him 150 years ago that he left his home of the Abandi tribe to visit Europe in an attempt to protest the slave trade, but ended up being essentially enslaved himself and cursed to be undead. He tells her he wants her to join him by his side. And when she hesitates, he does the most romantic thing. Let me give it to you. Consent! Yes! Consent! Consent! And he tells her that he won't force her, that he will let her come to him when she is what, everyone? Ready. Ready. Yes, when she's ready. So simple. So simple, yet so underrated. Well, it doesn't take long for her to make up her mind, because as soon as he gets up to leave, you hear, Mama Walde, stay with me, please. (laughs) she walks over to him and plants those lips on him and then starts undressing him Mm. and like yo starting by untying that sexy ass cape (laughs) Mm, the cape the cape Yes, the cape. It's the cherry on top of this Dracula Sunday. That's the first thing you remove. So next we find ourselves at the graveyard where Dr. Thomas and Michelle are digging up Billy's grave. Can we take a second to examine Michelle's digging clothes? <laughs> I know you can't see me with my air quotes, but like, okay. Our girl is in a bell-bottom pant. With mm. three-inch heels, yes. a knit turtleneck that uh. accented with a silk scarf, mm. a crushed velvet newsboy hat. Yes. And the whole look is tied together with a trench coat mm. cinched at the waist. Call her mother. Let's get back to the hole in the ground, okay? So Dr. Thomas (laughs) is out here digging, and Michelle is using this flashlight that doesn't seem to be shedding any light over the task at hand. You know when you're little? Yeah. And you're helping your dad with handiwork? Yeah. And he makes you hold the flashlight, but you hate it because you'd rather be off playing with your siblings, and you don't even care about electrical wiring, and... Then he gets mad because you're not holding the flashlight properly and he starts yelling at you and then you start crying because why can't he just hold his own damn flashlight? You know? <laughs> I, okay. 
I get the feeling, but none of the trauma. You know what? I love that for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also love that Dr. Thomas didn't say anything to Michelle about the fact that she was just as useless with that flashlight as I was when I was a child. <laughs> uh, anyway. Rip the bandaid off. <laughs> Unleash all that. <laughs> so Dr. Thomas finally makes it to the coffin. It's the final moment of truth. So they open the coffin and Billy Pops out of that bitch looking for his first meal. Mm. It is a terrifying struggle. Michelle is screaming and Dr. Thomas is swinging, but Dr. Thomas can hold his own and Billy doesn't stand a chance. Uh Uh-uh. So Michelle is understandably shook. Like, it's not every day that you go grave digging and the man in the coffin is undead. Michelle puts two and two together, telling Dr. Thomas that she suspected something was wrong when she noticed the occult books that were in his desk earlier. He explains the situation to her and tells her plainly that they're hunting vampires. And right after the vampire sighting, Dr. Thomas calls the coroner's office to tell Sam, the mortician, to lock the doors and watch his back because there's vamps on loose. Sam unfortunately meets his end pretty much right after this when Juanita, the cab driver's undead body, reanimates and comes charging down the hall towards him. Next, we see a post-coitus moment between Mama Walde and Tina. He tells her he has to go, and she does she does that little thing. That little thing doing one a little bit more loving, you know? So she tries to get him to stay, but he says, to stay is to die. Oof, so dramatic. Oh, yeah. Homeboy's trying to avoid getting fried up by the sun. He's got to get back to the safety of his coffin because it's almost daylight. Listen, we've all risked getting fried for the sake of getting some sweet, sweet booty. (laughs) All I want for my birthday is a big booty (laughs) hoe. So Dr. Thomas and Lieutenant Peters pull up to the police station to find it covered in blood with no Sam in sight. They do find Juanita, though, and she tries to attack them as well until Dr. Thomas wields a cross in front of her. Ah! Uh, He opens the blinds to let in the early morning sunlight, which is just enough sun to fry Juanita. Lieutenant Peters sees this and finally understands what Dr. Thomas has been getting at this whole time. So they come up with a plan to handle the exponential growth of the vampire population in their town. We're back at the club where Tina is sitting with Michelle and Dr. Thomas when Mama Walde joins them. Dr. Thomas asks Mama Walde if he's into the occult, leaning on his hunch that something's up with Mama Walde. Then Michelle asks him straight, what do you think about vampires? And Dr. Thomas reveals that he thinks the recent killings were at the hands of vampires and says that he and the cops are organizing a search to find the resting place of these vampires. And then my man Skillet comes back. He shows up just as Tina and Mama Walde are leaving. And he got one more thing to say about Mama Walde and his style. (laughs) Say, Mama Walde, let me buy that old cape off you Brother, smooth ass skillet. Michelle and Dr. Thomas point out the fact that no one has seen or heard from Nancy since the last time they saw her on Michelle's birthday. Ooh, and Dr. Thomas is back at Nancy's apartment looking through her photos when he sees for himself that Mama Walde 
is it in any of those pictures that Nancy took on Michelle's birthday? He realizes that Tina is with Mama Walde and rushes to her. He bursts into her apartment while Tina and Mama Walde are locked in a passionate embrace and immediately attacks Mama Walde. It's on sight. Mm-hmm. Mama Walde runs out of the apartment. He's being chased by the cops until he ends up killing one of them in the alley. Dr. Thomas, Tina, Michelle, and Lieutenant Peters are all at the police station where they finally all understand the threat that they're under with these vampires in town. The cops are cruising when they come across Billy and Bobby. Ah, just to give a little context, we're bombarded with the lack of awareness that comes with the times that this film was made. LA's finest are out here dropping F-bombs. No, not fuck. Along with insinuating that all black people look the same. Yeah. But... Peters and Thomas are out searching for Mama Walde and they find themselves at a warehouse where it all started. They come across Bobby and the rest of the coven of vampires that had recently been turned, realizing that they're trapped in the warehouse with all these vampires. Officer Johnson gets attacked and Peters tries to intervene, but Thomas stops him, saying it's too late. Dr. Thomas comes up with the idea to start throwing kerosene lamps as a way of defense against the coven. Peters hesitates to throw a lamp at Officer Johnson, who is now a vampire. Mm. You know, it was almost like what happened in Lovecraft Country when that one cop doesn't want to take out the clearly infected cop because he can't bring himself to kill a fellow white cop. Mm-hmm. The cacacity of it all. Of it all! <laughs> Thomas and Peters bump into Mama Walde as they escape the warehouse. He tells them that he was one step ahead of them and has already moved his coffin. He turns into a bat and escapes to go find Tina. Thomas, Michelle, and Lieutenant Peters find Tina first and tell her that she can't go with Mama Walde if he comes to her. After all, he did kill a bunch of innocent people... The cops are patrolling Tina's street, blocking entry to her apartment, but Mama Walde is perched on a nearby rooftop, looking out for his girl. Mm, he telepathically communicates with her. This, uh, again, another type of romance. He's telling her to meet him somewhere unnamed. We only hear her response asking him where to meet him. Yes, get him, girl. So a squad car peeps Tina as she's on her way to Mama Walde. Again, she's wearing the most slick outfit to go see her sexy vampire man. <laughs> we follow her to another warehouse, a hidden spot. She looks like she's been glamoured and like to steal the term from another vampire universe. True blood. Yes. Mm, shout outs. Classic. Shout outs. Shout outs. Classic. A real one. Tina gets shot when the cops arrive, and Mama Walde wilds out on one of them for harming his woman. So Mama Walde bites Tina, seeing that as it's the only way to save her life, and then proclaims to Dr. Thomas and his crew of cops that they will not be making it out of that warehouse alive. Bye-bye! This will be your inglorious tube, your tube, your tube, your tube. Your tube. Your tube. Your tube. Your tube. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Mama Walde has them all running in terror around the factory trying to find him while he's picking off each cop one by one. Yeah, Mama Walde ain't giving no fucks. It's him against the world now. 
Okay. So the crew comes across a coffin, and they're prepared to open it with a spike in hand. They're ready. They open it, expecting to find Mama Walde. But what they find instead, and immediately spike, is the fresh baby vampire, Tina. You know, man, like, Michelle has to watch her sister's undead body take a stake through the heart, and it melts. The body melts. <sighs> Mama Walde approaches to find Tina's corpse, where he mutters the Swahili word for goodbye, Kwaheri. <laughs> I'm actually getting emotional right Wow. <laughs> Mama so Walde's just defeated. You know, he walks out into the stunned, determined to end his life after losing like his one true love yet again twice twice man he ascends the stairs of the warehouse stepping into the sun where he perishes well i can only speak for myself but that film gave me life oh. cut you with your name and you know, like i have a new dracula bait movie and some new outfit inspirations thank you lord well jenna what were some of your favorite things that you learned while you were researching this movie? Yo, man, like, actually, watching this movie has been a fun adventure because it's such a renowned film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to think that William Marshall had a lot to do with the success of this film because... Mm-hmm despite having distinguished himself on stage with iconic roles like Othello and Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass, mm-hmm. he's still most well-known for playing the title role in Blackula. Like, that's yep. what people know him for. The director, William Crane, was met with a lot of pushback when introducing Blackula as an African prince. You know? Like, I wonder why there was apprehension towards seeing a black lead cast in, like, you know, that kind of sort of light. Like, what would be the problem? Mm. What's the problem with that? There's no problem mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching uh, Horror Noir, and it came up in that movie that um, it, Dracula was initially going to be called Count Brown's in town. Like, uh. ew. <laughs> Not only is that just racist, but it's gross. It's it's gross. Like, is this a scat porno no. or what? What are we doing here? Not feeling that. No. Like, no. Yeah, he wanted to name the character. Like, they wanted to, like, the, the people who were the powers of B of this movie, mm-hmm. wanted to name the character Andrew Brown, but William Marshall changed all that. Good. He said that the only way he would stay is if some things were changed. Good. The name went first. Boom. And then he changed Blackula's mission, you know, the mission to save black people from slavery. Bless you. He mm-hmm. was also met with pushback on that point. I wonder why. I wonder. <laughs> Even though he was trying to sell it as an opportunity for them to connect with their audience, right? Like, why Why would you want to, like, insult your audience? Why wouldn't you want them to feel, like, good? Then they'll give you more movies. They'll give you more money, movie. Movie money. Yeah, I feel like that just goes into part of the reason that the film was such a huge part of the black exploitation era that kicked off in the 70s. Um, And, I mean, interestingly enough, um, this movie was, what, was it, like, the first to win... um, best horror film at the Saturn Awards like the first mm-hmm. film to receive an award for best horror film at the Saturn Awards like that's how good and iconic this movie was right and like 
the proof is in the pudding about it winning those awards and like the fact that there was so much pushback like with the names with with like the content that was in it and even to the point where like they made it hard for him to get a camera like this really specific kind of like like basically it's a slow motion camera right yeah and like that whole hallway in the hospital dig like that thing. oh my god that shot with Juanita running down the hallway it's mm-hmm. one of the best it's I think it's cinematically the best shot in the movie it's the money shot it's absolutely the money shot and the fact that like the director had such a hard time getting the camera that he needed to even shoot that shot was so oh god i wish they had had more faith in this man right because like you see the dailies you see everything like and like so you have the camera thing you have the the backstory of the characters being challenged you have the demeaning things of count browns in town and then even to a point where there was an engineer on set that was giving the director a hard time as well and Basically, he was he was going to be directing from far from far of the scene, and so he needed he needed sound, he needed everything. And what the technician actually did is he turned up the volume, so when he would when the director would like press and he would have the sound rolling in his ears, that it would blow out his eardrum. Like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> like nah. deliberately, yeah, oh my gosh. deliberately, because like. Uh, the director said right after, like, he kind of felt like that ping in his ear that, like, the oh, technician kind of looked at him being like, what's good? Like, what's up? Like, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, wow, do your fucking job. Wow. Like, you're getting paid, right? Like, the yeah. money's green, right? Like, oh, gosh. Go yeah, do it. You gotta just like let us live. Let us live in all of our glory when we're doing our thing. Let us shine. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Well, I'm glad that this movie was made despite yes. all of those like setbacks, despite all of the pushback, and I'm glad that it went on to like to be such an iconic part of the uh, black horror yes. film canon. It's ours. We took it. Like, we took it, and it's ours. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It's ours now. You can't have it anymore. You really tried. (laughs) You really tried to make us look goofy as hell. You really tried to make us look goofy as hell. But no, not today. Not today, sis. Not today, sis. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Ghouls and Gyaldem podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghouls and Gyaldem. That's G-H-O-U-L-Z-N-G-Y-A-L-D-E-M. Let us know what black horror film you'd like us to review next. Yes, please slide in those DMs, send us your recommendations, show us some love, and make sure you tell all your friends about us. Yeah. Ghouls and Galdem is a bone lace production in association with Two Skins Entertainment. Editing for this episode is done by the lovely Andy Dolgan, and our theme song was recorded, was recorded, recorded <laughs> by Trombone It was recorded. It was recorded by Trombone Tie. Glam chowder. Glam chowder. Chowder. <laughs> <laughs>